today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Since we've been in lockdown after lockdown and this uh, pandemic, of course, is moving on now. It's been, well, well over a year now that we've, many of us have been working from home. And, of course, our kids oftentimes have been working from home, too, doing remote learning because of some of the concerns in schools. And, uh, well, it's impacting eyesight. And I don't know that anybody ever thought about that. But, you know, it's, it's, it's going to have some long-term consequences, especially for young people. Joining us to talk about this is uh, Debbie Jones. Debbie is a clinical professor at the School of Optometry and Vision Science and a clinical scientist with the Center for Ocular Research and Education at the University of Waterloo. Uh, professor, uh, thank you so much for the time. Good to have you with us today. You're welcome. Good morning. Good to have you. I'm wondering about this as I was reading a, a, an overview about this, uh, and it's like so many other things in this pandemic. It's uh, the, this is an eyesight and, and the concerns about children's eyesight, especially, uh, was a problem before the pandemic, but it's been exacerbated by this. And a lot of this, uh, from the stats I saw anyway, has to do with screen time and the, the, the amount of time that we're staring at screens, whether it's PCs, laptops, whatever the case might be. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and what we're specifically talking about is myopia or nearsightedness. So this is when if you're uncorrected, you don't see things clearly in the distance, but you do see things clearly up close. And we've been seeing an increase in myopia for the last few decades. And when you sit back and you think, well, what's changed? Of course, a lot of what's changed is how children are spending their social time and their educational time. And it's on digital devices. And, and I want to be clear, we don't think it's the digital device itself. We don't think it's emitting mm-hmm. something or, no, no. you know, causing harm. It's the fact that we're staring at or our children are staring at things at a very short distance for extended periods of time. And that is associated with less time outside as well. And we know that spending time outside actually has a preventative, a preventative effect for the onset of myopia, so children who are outside more tend to get less myopia, or if they do get it, it starts later on. Um, so it, it's a combination of things, more time inside on screens, less time outside, and here we are seeing more and more evidence of myopia in our younger children. Uh, and, and by the way, I guess the, the add-on there is if you're going to spend time outside or send, have your children spend more time outside, uh, don't, you know, don't take the laptop with you don't take it i mean exactly it kind of defeats the whole purpose there doesn't it for sure uh, yes but what is it exactly is it the fact that we're concentrating that much harder for such long periods of time on, on a bright a, well a bright object like this like a computer screen yeah we're not 100 percent certain why but we do think it's the fixed focus at that short range for extended periods of time i don't think it matters whether it's a bright object or not um you know i think when children are, are doing things in books they tend to move around a lot more. You know, they're mm-hmm. kind of wriggling and jiggling in their chair. And, you know, you read a book and then you change position and you, you kind of move around. When you're sitting at a screen or on any sort of digital device, you tend to sit at the fixed working distance for the whole time. So children are terrible at lying on the floor with their head on their, you know, on their hands staring at things or they lie in bed. And, and you only have to look at where a child holds a digital device to realize that they are focused at a very short distance. For extended periods of time. When we're in a situation like this, why myopia? That's that's interesting. As you mentioned at the beginning of the conversation, uh, you know, vision is blurry, uh, you know, for, for distance, but it's focused. Is it because we're focused on something that is so close to our face? We have to assume that that's right, that the, the brain is getting the message that, hang on a minute, you're spending the majority of your time fixed at this working distance, so let's change the focus, let's change the physical relationship of the focus of the eye 
to enable you to be in focus at this distance with the least amount of effort. So if you don't have a prescription at all, when you look into the far distance, your eyes are fully relaxed. And then as you bring things closer, the, the vision has to work. You have to do some focusing to, to bring that, that closer image into focus. So it seems to make sense that if you spend all of your time doing things at a short range, that the vision, the visual system would say, well, let's exert the least amount of effort possible. So let's make the eye focused at this point, And then we don't have to do any extra work. So that's kind of the, the very simplistic theory that we're coming up with, is that the brain is adapting to the short working distance. I mean, the brain is already doing so much work to, when it comes to our vision anyway, you know, sorting things out and turning things upside right and all this sort of <laughs> stuff. Uh, so, and to add this on, I, I, as I was reading this, I, I, was, I was akin to, like when you go to the optometrist and they say, you know, try this this one or this one. And it's almost like the brain is saying, well, you don't need that long distance one because you're hardly ever using it. So let's just focus on this. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. We think that there's an element of that, which is why the outside time is important and why taking regular breaks is important um, because you need to tell the visual system that it needs to be able to do all things and all things well. So you need to look in the far distance. And this is for our younger children. We don't, we don't worry about this. You know, by the time you get into your adult years, your, your visual system is, is pretty fixed. But as a young child, it's very plastic and malleable and the visual system can be interrupted and the, the, um, development of the visual system can be interrupted so it's our young children we worry about more so than our mid to late teens and adults who don't worry about anywhere near as much with this particular thing no with this yeah as as we become adults obviously we have our own set of problems that we've created for ourselves haven't we you know too much screen time and you know interrupted sleep patterns and all sorts of other stuff like that something our kids can look forward to if they continue to do what they're doing i suppose (laughs) but the element to this though is is you know because parents might just say well what's the big deal so they develop a little myopia they can get glasses and everything's going to be fine but especially at a young age this can have a lifelong impact can't it it can. So the younger you start with a prescription, the more likelihood that you're going to have a high prescription later on. So prescription changes naturally until if you're myopic, until you're around about 15, 16, 17, somewhere around there. So if you start at six, you've got a lot of years for that prescription to progress. And higher prescriptions are at risk of developing devastating eye diseases later in life. So there's uh, retinal degenerations that could could leave you legally blind in your 70s or 80s um, as a result of having a very high prescription. So, you know, what we do with our children now is going to have an impact um, right through their life. And also, if you have a high prescription, you know, you may be um, not such a good candidate for laser eye surgery when you're in your 20s, if that's your choice. You certainly won't be able to see in the morning without your correction on, you know, if you've got a high prescription. Um, so, yes, it, it's not just about your child needing glasses. It's about the long-term effects on their eye health. That's why we, we want to intervene, and that's why we need to uh, make people aware. There's a, there's a whole laundry list here. I mean, you mentioned a couple of them here, retinal degeneration, uh, retinal detachment, and, and I know some adults that are actually dealing with that right now. It's pretty serious stuff. Uh, cataracts, mm-hmm. glaucoma, which is something we don't even talk much about anymore. But, yep. you know, and I know these happen in adults. It's not as if your eight-year-old is, is going to all of a sudden develop cataracts. But you're, you're, you're pretty much setting a, a scenario where they could develop, I guess, over a period of time. Exactly, yes. You're setting themselves up for problems later in life by ignoring the issues now or, you know, not dealing with them now. 
Is there any element to this that's hereditary? There is, actually. So the biggest um, impact on whether a child is going to be myopic or not is actually family history. So two parents who are myopic, the child doesn't stand much of a chance of avoiding it. But again, it's that later onset. If we can delay the onset, even if it's inevitable because of the genetic makeup of the child, then the prescription will be less high will be lower as they get older. The other thing is that we have methods now to slow down progression of myopia. So even if your child is is seriously at risk of being myopic because parents are, then once they show evidence of being myopic, we have interventions as an optometrist that we can recommend that slow down that rate of progression so that we can hopefully avoid them having that high prescription um, later in life. So parents shouldn't just think, oh, well, you know, I have a high prescription. It's, it's inevitable because it really is not inevitable. Is that done through medication or is there therapies that are employed? There are three main options, all of which can be discussed with your optometrist. Um, there's eye drops, there's spectacles, and there's contact lenses. So pretty much there's something for everybody, um, and that's certainly something that your optometrist can discuss with you. Um, and again, no substitution for routine eye examinations. You have to take your children to the optometrist, and you have to check that the vision is good, the eyes are progressing normally. Um, don't just assume that your child will tell you, because children don't necessarily realize that their vision is blurred. You know, if a child looks out and can't see a, a squirrel on a tree, um, he doesn't know that he should be able to see that squirrel on the tree because he has nothing to compare it with. Puts glasses on and sees. It's like, oh, wow, look at that. I can see. But children are not very good at reporting distance blur. They're, they're good at reporting other things. But particularly in this virtual schooling environment where people, you know, kiddies are at home, they're not really looking into the far distant that much. So um, don't just assume that your child can see well. You, you you wouldn't assume your child had no cavities. You take them to the dentist to check. So you know, make your uh, visit to your optometrist just as important. There are so many examples chronicled like that of young kids that have, as you say, vision problems or hearing problems. It could be that as well. They don't articulate it because, like you say, that's their normal. Uh, exactly. And they just they figure, okay, I guess I'm not supposed to hear everything that's going on or be able to see that distance, et cetera, like that, which I guess is one of the other reasons why, uh, you know, regular uh, reporting like this and, and checkups would be done on this situation. Are we uh, are we good about that, Professor? Do we take our kids there often enough? Are we making sure that their eyesight and their eye health is, is something that's of paramount importance? We are not. Um, parents don't have eye care top of their list as one of those kind of check boxes and we're not 100% certain why I think there's there's an element of fear that children that uh, parents think well if I take my child you know maybe he'll be given glasses and maybe he won't need them and, and you know that's a fear that's really unfounded but I think it's just not in the the psyche of parents unless they're spectacle wearers themselves perhaps or unless they have some history um, just for routine eye care just take your child and make sure everything's okay and we do need to educate our parents it's, it's getting better for sure and, and you know chats like this with you certainly help us get the message out but um, yeah parents just need to have it in that you know May is the is eye care month that's the time when I'm going to book my child in or right before school every year you know August is a popular time just just have it in your in your schedule that this month is when it's when my kiddies need their eyes checked 
but it, it's I guess flies in the face of somebody's rationale anyway. You figure, okay, if my child has a problem with vision, we'll put glasses on and everything will be fine. Uh, but I guess that it, it omits the idea that there's still going to be some de- or could be some deterioration even with the glasses. Exactly. Yes, myopia progresses, um, as I mentioned, and, and we want to try and and do something about that. Or even children who have, you know, a lazy eye, one eye that uh, doesn't work as well as the other, and we need to start some other therapy. There's all sorts of things that we can intervene if we catch it early enough. You know, there's not much point coming to your optometrist when your child is 11 or 12 and they have a really high prescription and you say, oh, I'd like to start that uh, myopia intervention now, please. You know, by then the horse is not only out of the stable, it's it's galloped away on you. So um, we need to see the children early. We need to assess their risks, parental history being the main one, you know, how much time are they outside? We can chat with parents about screen time. I have every sympathy for any parent who is homeschooling their child and also trying to do anything themselves, even if it's just trying to get the laundry done. I mean, it's easy enough to give your seven-year-old a tablet and say, you know what, go play your favorite video game. But parents need to understand that that's okay, but there needs to be other things that are also in their visual world. You know, it needs to be lots of breaks. The child needs to maybe only be allowed to use the iPad for half an hour or an hour a day, you know, put some limitations on it. And and I think parents, it's easier if a professional talks to the parent in front of the child, and then maybe that gives them, you know, a little bit of leverage with the child to say, oh, you know, Dr. Jones said, and then, uh, you know, gives them a little bit of, of support at home as well. And I know there's going to be some frustrated parents that say, look, at, you know, my, my son or daughter is being homeschooled. I mean, we don't have any choice in this. What are they supposed to do? But uh, I guess you have to relate it to your own experience. I mean, in, in your own personal environment at work or wherever that might be, you take breaks, uh, you know, yep. with coffee break or whatever the case might be. Uh, and I guess we have to make sure that our kids do that, too. If they're going to be if they have to be in front of the screen, make sure that they're doing it in intervals. Exactly. And, you know, if you think about a school day, and we recommend 60 to 90 minutes of outside time is is what we're asking for for children. If you think of a school day, if your child walks to school, then they have recess, they have lunch, they have another recess, they walk home. Maybe you need to introduce that into your day. Maybe you need to walk up and down the street twice before school starts in the morning. You know, if you would typically walk your child to school, then maybe walk them halfway there and walk them home again and then have a morning recess and they go outside, whether it's cold or not, you bundle them up and you put them, you know, let them go outside and play or go for another walk. I mean, it's good for parents as well. It would be great to get away from your own desk and, you know, have a stretch break. So try and make it perhaps a little bit more like a school day and then um, you get that outside time built in automatically. Well, and it's immediately a matter of common sense. I think I've told this story before to our listeners. I, working from home, of course, as I have been for the last 14 months now, uh, right across the road there's two fa- young teachers and, and with a couple of preschoolers, uh, maybe kindergarten, I don't know. Every day at 10.30 I can see them go out there and they, you know, they play on the driveway for half an hour and it's get, they need that fresh air. We tend to forget that a lot of the time, don't we? That, that kids need that break, but they also need that exposure to outside. Yep, exactly. It's good for everybody's mental health as well to step away from your workstation. You know, you you just have to build in some routine, and I think we're all struggling with work work life balance when your work is at home because suddenly you're still sitting at your desk and it's five o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock. Um, but you just have to have some sort of routine, and and you know maybe if your kids came home from school and they had snack time and then a little bit of TV time before dinner, you know do the same thing. But the 
before snack, they have to have a little walk or, you know, as they would walk home from school or play outside for a while. Now, the, the weather's getting better, so uh, hopefully it's easier. And not everybody has the luxury of a backyard, but, you know, you can go for a walk. Even if you're in an apartment, you don't have your own backyard. You can bundle up, go for a walk. You'd be amazed how quickly the time goes, walk as if you were walking to school, and then just walk home again. Good for everybody. I've read one of these. I guess this is a possible solution. The the 20-20-20 rule, are you familiar with that? Absolutely. So, you know, it's a little bit of a kind of cliche, but what we say is every 20 minutes, look 20 feet away for 20 seconds. And if you have that in your head, you know, and, and I think children are very good at doing short periods of time on screens because they don't have long attention spans. So I'm sure teachers are really breaking up their their activities on the screen. So each time there's a break, instead of having your child maybe flick to something else on the screen, like a little game or something they want to play, or, you know, some of the older children are on social media platforms, they're texting their friends, whatever they're doing, have them step away. Step away from your computer, step away from your screen. The other thing parents can do is put the screen in a position where there's an open environment around them. So rather than, you know, up against a wall, whereas if they look away, they're just looking at a blank wall, have it facing a window maybe, or, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe it's at the kitchen counter where they can just look out of the window. Um, So position themselves where, or position the child where there's a a lot of varying distances that they can look at 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 different periods of time. But yes, that 20-20-20 rule is a kind of little uh, catchy one to remember. Uh, I'm so glad you had some time to talk to us about this today. I was really surprised when I saw this article and, and a concern. And, uh, you know, we need to put it on the front burner so parents are aware of this and, uh, you know, also aware of, of uh, the ramifications of it. Thank you so much for this, Professor. Really enjoyed the, t- the conversation today. You're welcome. It was my pleasure. You have a great day. You too. Uh, Professor Debbie Jones uh, talking about children's eye health. And, uh, well, let's face it, keep an eye on that and screen time and getting outside. All stuff the parents pretty much know anyway, but uh, you have to really be cognizant of it, I guess, because of some of these consequences that she talked about. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.